0: Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at Popcorn Talk. Today, we talk about Creed Two, where Sil- Sylvester Stallone and Michael B. Jordan return to the franchise, so stay tuned as we discuss.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. I got, I got, I got, I got,
0: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. We have Marissa Serafini.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: I'm Phil Speed Tech. We got our warm-up music. We're in the mood for Creed 2. A great fight.
1: Yeah, a great film.
0: Absolutely. Couple things before we dive into everything. First off, welcome to you. We appreciate you. You're here, you're listening, you're watching us. Um what what more what can more? we ask for, <laughs> yeah. right? So thank you for that. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, even better, a couple things to note. Number one, we assume that you've seen the movie, so we will talk about it from that standpoint. So there is your spoiler warning. Second off, we're not just a movie review show. Yes, we're going to give our opinions and talk about the storylines and what we thought of them. But we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about the how and the why, culminating all the way into the box office numbers. So you'll get all that stuff in between of how... Every punch got landed and thrown. (laughs) Lots to discuss there. And for your benefit, you can follow along with our rundown. It's a little description. Let me backtrack. In the description, there's a PDF that you can click that has our rundown. It has all of our notes. Because we, admittedly, can't get to everything. We try to, but we just don't have the time nor do we want to bore you, but it's there to round out our conversation. Of course, the conversation is never complete without you and your participation. So by all means, comment with your thoughts and opinions on anything we talk about or anything we don't even talk about. All right. That's what it's there for. So without further ado, let me kick it off to Marissa, who's admittedly a huge Rocky slash Creed fan.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing to admit. I'm proud of it. I love Rocky. As if you're listening to us on iTunes... You should watch us on YouTube, our video. I'm wearing my Italian Stallion shirt because it's the best. It's the same shirt I wore for our Creed 1. Tweet it out to the fans,
0: and uh, that way they don't have to watch if they don't want to.
1: I should. But But, uh, also listen to that dissection that we did three years ago. Um, Of Creed. very, very excited for this one. Been looking forward to it. Ever since I knew Rocky was Rocky. Um, Since Sylvester Stallone was in the works for writing the second one. Because he's always very, very open about what projects he's working on. His upcoming ones and things that he's interested in. Um, So I knew Cree 2 was coming out for a very, very long time. Excited. I loved it. It was fun. It felt more dramatic. I felt this film was a great wrap-up to uh, Rocky Four. Um, Rocky Balboa and Creed One. Like this movie wrapped up three other films, and I think it did a great job. And I'm actually looking forward to what Creed Three could be.
0: Yeah, I, I think what's what's amazing is that the the franchise kind of throws similar punches, right? Thematically, it really is always the same family, and and uh, using fighting as a metaphor for life. Uh, and yet, what's so wonderful is that it, it manages to do something. Different within that context every time. And I I really like these new chapters of Rocky and Creed together. um, Where it is a continuation of Rocky. But it's also a new storyline through Creed. Um, And I thought Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone did a fantastic job. As did um, the girlfriend, Bianca. I thought that...
1: Tessa Thompson. I mean, she's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So... You know, I didn't necessarily know what to expect uh, going into the second one. I, I knew I liked the first one. Uh, it wasn't Ryan Coogler attached to this one, but I knew he was involved, which was fun. And ultimately, I thought uh, a slightly different flavor in terms of cinematography, perhaps like the, the, the full technical of it, but uh, I, I thought it fit the story, and I appreciate bringing back Drago.
1: Oh, yeah. And we all really love just the, just the character of Drago and how how epic that fight was, especially back in the 80s that was 1985 um, and just like the the political climate that it was back with America and Russia with the whole cold War back in the 80s to now bring in it back to just more social political climate um this time. yeah Russia is still kind of a a, a big deal in that sense or like people still have connections or um, what have you. So I, I think it's interesting how. You know, just that the tension between these two massive countries uh, is still going on over all these years. and But also now attached to a personal legacy with the whole Creed and Apollo Creed storyline. I think it's interesting to finally wrap it up and, like, kind of be not to say done with it, but just to be like, all right, we touched upon it, we wrapped it up, and now move on to something else. And
0: what's, what's great about the movie, too, I. I think anyone could get into it. I don't know uh, if you have to see Creed 1 or any of the other films to still enjoy this one. Obviously, it helps. But I think, ironically, it works very much as a standalone piece. You get all the exposition that you need. um, And ultimately, even though, like, Rocky IV was very much politically heavy, uh, you get some of that. But what it really is is more about the legacy of it all. You have Apollo and you have Drago. And now you have their sons. Going into it. And and, uh, and that's immediately felt. You understand it. You don't need much more than the film gives you um, to, to really understand it and have emotional stake in all of it. And that's what I appreciate is that uh, it, it manages to be faithful to audiences that have been there from the start. But, but it's not required. Which I feel like too many movies nowadays, you need an encyclopedia just before you watch the damn movie.
1: Yeah, I understand that too. And I, I agree... It does feel like its own individual movies, but there were like some scenes and some moments and storylines that really do harken back to, you know, Rocky IV and even Rocky Balboa, which I wasn't really expecting um, that we'd now touch upon. Rocky Sun. we'll get to that too. But it, you can watch this movie without seeing the previous, but it does actually help you understand just the the emotional um, elements. And the personal storylines. If you go back to the originals,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I don't disagree. Absolutely. Um, but like I said, I, I just I just look at like Marvel movies and things like that. Um, we dissected recently the new Fantastic Beasts, Not spoiling that, but I just we just felt it was too convoluted. Mm-hmm. This what 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 the what's wonderful about a movie like this is that it's it continues to hinge on family. Like when you're talking about uh, Rocky and his son. That's family. When you talk about Rocky and and uh, Creed, that's a father-son dynamic in and it, of itself, right? Right. Um, and so you have all those things. Uh, with Bianca, he's starting literally a new family. Mm-hmm. So all these things are very universal, and you can get into it very easily.
1: Yeah, it's a family element other than like a big MCU element where if <laughs> somehow... <laughs> people are connected if you think about it that all these rocky movies you're really only focusing on like the same three to four people that's it
0: and i love the story of how kind of this came all together right you 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 always need a villain quote unquote for um for our main protagonist and the fact that it is this legacy of drago um and how Sylvester Stone kind of came up with that idea, and how how it came into culmination of texting um, Dolph of like, "Hey, basically, are you in?" Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, like, because without, I don't think it, you could theoretically recast them, but it would just feel so cheap.
1: No, it's it's wrong, and I love that Sylvester has um, stayed in contact with Dolph Lundgren over the years because we know. Uh, He did actually help Lundgren kind of come back to just filming and um, people's attention with The Expendables, you know, bringing and recasting, casting him into those films. So, like, it does keep Lundgren um, politically, not politically, like more um,
0: in the social conscious.
1: Yeah, right now. And and people know who he is still to this day. So and I, I like that. Yeah, you bring him back to this. It just makes sense. And I, I like you, you said, villain. I didn't even really feel that the the son um, seemed like a villain per se. He's just a guy who was caught up in his un- father's unfortunate legacy, and he didn't seem like he, his character. He was kind of like stuck in a rock in a hard place. He didn't have a choice. He he was brought up because his father raised mm. him that way.
0: Well, let's, let's explore that. Um, I know I'm, I'm kind of coming to the end, so we'll backtrack a little bit. But the way things were headed, I was actually somewhat, maybe not Victor directly, but certainly Ivan. I was I was uh, compassionate towards Ivan, which kind of made it very difficult. I, I I thought, where, how does this end? Because if it just ends with Creed winning, uh, then. Yes, I want Creed to win, but at the same time, I've, I've invested mostly into Ivan. So, what happens there? You know, and and I thought the ending was perfectly balanced to make up for that, where Creed does win, but at the same time, uh, there's a victory for father and son as well.
1: Yeah, and I like that because the Ivan Victor, uh, you know, father son relationship does parallel with just the the Apollo Creed and just the the themes of when to throw in the towel when to know when to stop um, to save yourself and in that sense and I liked how yet yeah, Ivan he lost everything emotionally his wife financially and his respect in the in the country but I liked that he still knew when to properly quit and and but it, it's it's not To say that he's a quitter, he just knows when to to stop. And I like that because Rocky didn't in the first one.
0: Exactly. And and the other thing kind of, you know, you learn from every fight, right? So obviously Creed learned that he's got to be able to take a punch. And uh, in the second fight, the, the rematch, one kind of expects Victor to now understand that, you know, while he was so focused on learning how to punch, let's say, uh, he needs to now also be able to to receive punch. I, I like the, the the training montage has always been great, but I, I really appreciated this one with um, with Creed in the desert getting ready and just taking every beating possible.
1: I really liked the training montage. I mean, Rocky was known for all the famous training montages, and so you have to step up your game. It felt so completely different from what we usually see. Even the first Creed. Uh, during that training montage, it's still in Philly. It's still in the streets. We always know Rocky's running through the streets. He, he's training in the gym. It had that same feeling with Creed in the first one. He's the same beats, but this one it was completely different. Different location, different just environment because usually Rocky trains in the winter. It's cold and stuff, and this is like hot, sweating. So visually it looked different. Musically, it, it looked a little bit different as or sounded different. Um, I really enjoyed the train of montage. It felt fresh.
0: Yeah, and th- th- there was a reason behind it, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna go to hell, might as well train in hell.
1: Yeah, might as well get used to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and so from that perspective, uh, it makes sense story wise. Uh, so it, it not only freshens it up, but but it you know it's not convoluted of like oh we're just here just to be here because we we're forcing something different.
1: Right, and I also like. This training montage kind of goes, harkens back to Rocky Three with just going back to the basics. Yeah, they took him into the desert with like antiquated equipment, but it's more so going back to your foundation and your roots, digging a hole, literally physically and mentally digging within yourself to you know, start anew. And I, I like that because sometimes it, we, we've seen the, the differences with the other movies where technology does help with your training, like advanced technology, especially in Rocky IV, um, the, the Russian technology, how it helps Ivan be more successor to that um, training. So I like when you go back to the basics. Um, it really well, builds your skills.
0: Well, in in a sense, that's kind of, you have to redefine the part of it was from the very get go. Creed is a champion, right? And so in that sense, he has two choices, fight, basically fight to not lose it or fight for something. And, you know, that's Rocky's big mes- message to him throughout the whole movie of it's not you can't just fight not to lose. That's you're, you're going to lose if that's the case. You got to fight for something. And that's where the whole family element with Bianca comes in and and with his with his child, um, you know, he's now got this passion, which again, and and the the threads, what I appreciate every nothing goes to waste. So in in the sense of Creed starting a family that ignites Rocky to connect Mm -hmm. with his, you know, as much as Creed and, and Rocky are bonded together, Rocky still has his own family.
1: Yeah. And and I liked how we touched upon Rocky's family too. But there are some underlying themes that do still tie back to um, Rocky 3. It's kind of like revenge, but it's it's more so what are you fighting for, having a purpose? Because even in Rocky 3, Rocky finally admits that he's afraid to lose everything, money, family, what have you. And then, like, I like how they kind of touched upon in this movie where, like, you have something to lose. You have everything to lose. And uh, so so those parallels between just Creed and Rocky, in that sense, makes it more relatable for those two. And also seeing now a family, and there was the line where... They're like you have to do a fight, or else you're gonna, you know, revoke the title. I was like, oh yeah, that, that is another reason to fight, but it's not the best reason to fight. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because you, we never, in the previous Rocky movies, we never see him fighting just to keep the title. It's more because he has the title now, he wants to defend it.
0: Yeah, which is a term very much kind of you want to be a fighting champion. Meaning you're a champion that once you become a champion, you continue to fight and win versus, oh, I just won this fight. So I'm going to just kind of hold on and coast um, and just let time go by as much as I can without having to fight, Mm -hmm. Um, which obviously uh, is not the best mentality in in some sense, or at least from a fan perspective. It's like, okay, so you won, but now you want to like show that you are the champion for a reason. Like you didn't just do it one time. Right. Uh, and and uh so yeah. I, I like that as a backdrop, like you said,
1: right, and I like how you know professional boxing does have that role it's like once you have the title, you are legitimately legal to fight you have to fight more to keep your title and i, I like how they did bring in the realism of professional of the sport for that yeah and
0: i I appreciate too. kind of they I'm trying to think back, but i but i um, I think this is the best use of let's say news segments where they, they, they really hyped up everything, whether it was like HBO or in things like that, they brought in these little moments um, to give us some context of the importance of things. And, and, you know, even going into the final fight, how, even though Creed was the champion, um, Victor was the one, the heavyweight, like whatever his odds were and so forth. And it, it just it, it it just layered it even more and ma- got got more excitement.
1: Right, and I like how H- HBO's you know known for all the the putting on the big fights and stuff. Um, and I like how they did touch upon it because even in the first Creed, we see Adonis. He's always watching HBO. Um, films that that highlight the the athletes who are going to fight and now at the beginning of this one he's one of the fighters and you wouldn't really think in three years but we know it's creed that now he's the fighter that everyone's highlighting on the actual hbo and i I liked to where we've seen where he started to where he is now um and just how engrossed he is now in the professional boxing world
0: absolutely um so let's but let's shift gears and talk about the um the family aspects of things and we'll we'll talk about the boxing certainly more when we talk about how they shot and and trained but um we'll just stick the story for for right now specifically um so he he's in basically opposition with not not only bianca but his mother as well um you know he he it was a big point of contention to kind of reveal to his mom. That he was going to do this. And then when he does, she doesn't really have any sort of reaction. He's like, well, what's up? And she's like, well, you're an adult. You're, you're making up your own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how both kind of came together to accept this and, and ended up being in this corner, um, I thought really was, was a great, I don't know, telling, you know. Uh, it really felt honest and truthful.
1: Yeah. And I really love the the mother, just the the support she gives him, even though you can tell just as naturally as a mother, you wouldn't want to see your kid getting hurt or slash beaten up in a ring almost to a bloody pulp. So I understand she had that natural mother maternal reaction, like, I don't want you to do this, but I know I can't fight you to not do it. You know, she's not going to win this fight, literally. Um, And I did like the lines, like, you know, you are an adult. I you made your decision i can't change your mind and i like that realization and that felt real as a parent to an adult child um and the mother and even she had a great balance of like dramatic moments and real moments as a mother to to creed to, to adonis and also to bianca uh, at moments where bianca was asking her for advice what do you do in these certain situations mixed with the, the balance of actual comedy, especially when they found out that they were pregnant.
0: Yeah, that, that, that was an interesting, I, w- I want to go back to that moment though, that you, you just said, uh, get Bianca getting advice because it's one thing to go to your, let's say in-laws for advice. Uh, it's a whole other thing. Like she's getting advice from someone who's been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, it's also scarier cause she hasn't, not only has she been there and done that, she's been there and lost that, so this exact same scenario uh it only plays out one way in terms of Mary's mind, you know Apollo dies yeah uh, and in that sense, like the fact that they set up so well to to in essence be completely paralleled um you've got this one fight you you've got a kid, and the way this is this could go is that he dies and the kid has no father
1: right like i I liked how they put bianca in the exact same position um because it doesn't really it it just shows how much adonis is like his actual father and we saw in the first creed how much he was like rejecting his father and how much he didn't want to be attached to to the name but when you see in creed 2 we realize yeah he's every bit of his father with even without his father Not in his life. He still has the same thought train and mindset that his father did. And it's dangerous because we know Apollo was such a great fighter. But he was also reckless in his decisions sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's scary that Adonis does the exact same things too.
0: And it stems from, as the mother points out, he was the champion too and he wasn't happy. And you're the champion and you're not happy. And that can be obviously a very tough decision. I mean, where do you go from being number one? (laughs) Number one again, it's, and uh, so from that perspective, it became a very existential motivation for, for Creed. And I appreciate that, you know, he, he in essence found what he was looking for. And even then, like he was, he was challenged throughout when, when his child is born, that was a big Kind of question mark: Is this kid going to be able to hear or not? And it it doesn't go the way he wanted it, uh, and yet he's got to deal with that. And I I thought uh, what was interesting was hearing all the all the advice from Rocky, and kind of in the at the backdrop of it all, you're like, but don't be a hypocrite. Apply the same wisdom that you're imparting on him. To yourself. Because <laughs> was, it was just so hard for him to pick up the phone and call his son.
1: Yeah. And I like how Adonis and, and Rocky have that relationship now that they can call each other out on their ish. Be like, you know what? You, you do X, Y, and Z too. You're, you're not the best person either. So I like they help each other and make each other better in that sense. Especially when it comes to family.
0: I'm just. I thought. Um, I thought the way they ended it, right, where um, they, where one family, meaning uh, the Creeds, let's call them, mm-hmm. they visit Apollo at the grave site, and then conversely, you have Rocky who visits um, his son Robert. Robert, good old Robert from yeah. Rocky Balboa,
1: and and it's great to actually see Robert because in Rocky Balboa that was a very contentious relationship, and it's great to see Milo. Um, Milo Ventimiglia which is it's just good to see him as an actor still be very relevant and have amazing roles in the past 20 years that he's had so good for him that he's still working as well so it's good to bring back Robert in a more positive light this Mm -hmm. movie because Rocky Balboa was not to say exhausting it was difficult to see Rocky not having a loving family relationship and now he's making amends for this one
0: Absolutely, because obviously with Adrian, that was it was kind of always a staple of it, right? The same way Bianca is now becoming a staple for Creed. That's okay. what Adrian was um, for him. Um, but there's so much more to life, <laughs> you know. Even Rocky's still learning. Yeah. Uh, um, any other um, story elements that you want to talk about before we move on to production?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty easy storyline, and we're really only facing yeah. one person uh yeah. Victor under the the back story of what Rocky and Ivan were. So I think I think Victor was interesting. We talked just a little bit about Victor. I felt more sorry for him Because he didn't seem like he had a choice. And he hardly talked in the film. I I was trying to think. I was like, do I even know what his voice sounds like? Because he's such a big menacing, physically menacing guy. And that was on purpose. But to see him, the only time we really see him talk is that he's upset that he's also lost his mother. He doesn't have the full support that he should but not once did it ever f- feel like he really wanted to do it for himself. He was doing it only to please his father,
0: and then eventually his mother. Yeah. Which that was a that was a very big moment, certainly from like for a number of reasons. But um, just to see her reprising her role and kind of the the, the pain you feel when when she shows up. Yeah, Um And that that was a moment Victor did talk, uh, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, you know, all those people in there, they're the ones that let us down. They weren't in our corner um, and so forth. So that was, even though he talks little, I think what he did say was quite impactful in that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So I I agree. I I, I truly appreciate that um, in the end they they found a relationship and um, him, of course, being an actual fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, which, which fit the bill quite well. Um, all right, well, let's, let's shift gears then. Uh, Oh, shoot, one more thing I want to talk about, story-wise, right? And it's kind of story-wise slash technique. What was interesting to note, um, the movie for the first part really speeds by very fast. Um, if you kind of really track it, a third of the movie in, and we've already had, two fights. Now, the, the the second one being the victor beats the crap out of... Um, Adonis. Yeah. And then, so it's, I'm like, oh, damn, this movie's just going really fast. And, and it from, was a
1: dirty fight, too.
0: It was. And I, I, again, I, I just thought it was quite interesting to set it up that way and then spend about two-thirds of the movie on, or at least, let's say, uh, half the movie on the family stuff in between, because it really put the fight kind of in the background of things, but it wasn't until, the, you know, now at the end we pick it, once we've resolved all the family stuff, that we really get back into um, the ultimate climax.
1: Right, and I like that because I do feel a lot of parallels with Rocky Three in this movie as well, because in, in that one Rocky gets beat really quickly um, and really physically and, and mentally that he had to take a break and to now focus on himself to focus on family. And then in this film that Donnis got broken to a pulp where he had to physically like take a step back and now take this time to focus on family. So there are some of the beats he they had to break him to focus on something else.
0: Yeah. Um all right, so we get a new director in this movie, Stephen Capel Junior um who Sylvester Stallone did back uh, towards directing in the movie we don't get uh, Ryan Coogler as i mentioned that uh that's because he was working on a little movie called Black Panther
1: just a little one
0: um but who, it
1: was also Coogler who suggested Stephen Cable to take over
0: which is great i mean i think like, like Ryan Coogler's rise in the film industry has been phenomenal like with each one he just progresses so nicely uh and Obviously, he's um, he's politically minded and um, wants someone to really understand the vision and so forth. And I uh, I thought Stephen Cappel Jr. did a did a great job ultimately.
1: Yeah, and it was great to also get the approval from Sylvester Stallone too, because Sylvester he wanted to do it and he was officially attached to it first. But then uh, even Stallone said he wanted to have another person who had the vision and the mentality of the new generation he, and who can understand and relate to the struggles that Adonis and this generation want to understand. And, and I liked how he he realizes, like, I can't do that, but mm-hmm. someone else could. And I like how he had that realization. And he did professionally take a step back, um, but also praise the, the work that Stephen Cable did because he himself – was a Rocky fan growing up and he he definitely took on the challenge. Yeah,
0: and you know, from that perspective, stallone was for a short period of time slated to direct. Um, I think just kind of by default, um, because Kugler couldn't. But I, I do appreciate the realization that, you know what, yeah, let somebody else take over because um I'll just use it as a reference, unfortunately, Fantastic Beast, I think um, we've seen plenty of it, like whether it's Fantastic Beasts, in my opinion, or the more wider opinion being like the George Lucas prequels to Star Wars. Sometimes, as a creator, you got to kind of take a step back because you ruined the masterpiece.
1: Yeah, and you gotta also remember that Stallone hasn't directed every Rocky film. Like, we had a different Rocky film for the first one. He 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 wrote it, um, but then he directed the second one. So it, I like the ones still. Stallone knows when to not direct his his own work.
0: Yeah, um, and and that can certainly be a challenge. Like that's why, like even now, sometimes, um, uh, what's his name, um, Clint Eastwood. Sometimes he's hit or miss because obviously he might be doing too much. Right. If he's acting in a movie and directing, sometimes you know, there's there's a very fine balance, and I think Cl- Clint Eastwood for the most part gets it correct, but sometimes it might be to his detriment. Um, anyway. Um, so, you know, uh let's let's talk about the training montages and so forth. And when I say training montages, I don't mean the actual movie obviously, but kind of mm-hmm. them preparing for it because it's a uh, it, you know, you you got to sort of look the part certainly.
1: Yeah. And uh even Michael B Jordan said he had to get in incredible shape for the first one, but he found this one even worse a little bit his words because the, him and, and uh Florin um, who played Victor, they had to, he had to gain weight, and Florin had to lose weight so they can get more to the actual heavyweight physical, um, which seems hard, and it, it definitely is, but for a fighter to get into just the physical aspect of gaining weight, losing weight, that, that takes a toll on the body, let alone... The actual uh, eating and the discipline it takes for for all the working out, cardio, um, diet, the reps of um, all the machines and the the actual pad work that um, Michael B. Jordan had to do. He said it, it was difficult more this time around for him.
0: Yeah, and that's you know you kind of would look at it. Not that he had the most physical role in Black Panther, but at least you know when you're in a Marvel movie, you're kind of. Keeping up, because you have to look a certain way um, when you're playing. He didn't play a superhero necessarily, but he he was um, a villain, right? But he had to be a very physically fit, int- yeah, fit <laughs> villain. villain. He has a great fight scene in Black Panther. Um, so, yeah, my my sort of initial expectation would be like, oh, at least you've kind of kept up with the regimen, so it shouldn't be that hard, right? It's one thing when you go from like one movie that's very physically demanding then go to let's say like you have an let's say if you played someone in office space, right? <laughs> Where it's right. not demanding at all physically, and then to something like that. Um, but it is interesting to know all those things, right. certainly.
1: There's a difference between getting into shape to look the part but then also once you're there to maintaining the shape to yeah. keep the part. And, and I like how Michael, fortunately, he had Black Panther in between. So it did keep him um, disciplined enough to, to stay in shape. But uh, the so there's the training for the physical aspect of it, but also just for the filming aspect of it. Yeah, you you know how to throw proper punches and stuff, but you have to look a certain way, throw punches differently just for camera wise mm-hmm. um, punches are longer punchers are wider when in real fighting punches are tighter and quicker so it there is a difference in like a dichotomy of what he actually had to do what he was trained to do knowing how to properly fight but then changing it up just for the camera
0: yeah and in terms of that one of the aspects that i appreciate is that every every round in essence was a mini short film You know, uh, each round had to tell a story. Certainly, like, the the first time around, he just had to get the crap beat out of him. He had to be overzealous, go for it, and, you know, nothing was working. Then, um, you know, the second time around, slowly but surely, steady kind of wins the race, but, um, you know, Victor still got his punches in, and and I appreciated how they sculpted and and took time to, with each one, not, not just have it be... Aimless punching one way or the other, or like in this in this portion of it, uh, Victor's going to be winning, and then and then then him. No, it's like each punch means something,
1: right? And there are times where the the fighting was more stylistic for the camera. they, they did heavy choreography training for each round of fighting. Um, so so you appreciate just the hard work that it takes for that. But also, there were moments where. Sylvester Stallone really encouraged it because we know from his past that he was actually fighting a lot, uh, real sparring. Um, so Michael B. Jordan and Florin were actually fighting at some points, and they're actually getting hit. And you can see the contact. And we we saw a lot of a lot of those shots in this film.
0: Which, if I was Michael B. Jordan, I'd be slightly worried from the standpoint of. Yes, I know how to. At this point, he's kind of picked up enough moves to be able to fight. But when you're facing a professional fighter, it's kind of ingrained in them at that point. So for them going lightly, it might not be the same as if you and I were sparring, let's just say.
1: Right. I mean, in, in fighting, because. Not that I'm a professional fighter, but I have done (laughs) boxing recently. I know enough of how what sparring is. So so like controlled fighting to actual fighting and like the percentages of energy, like you're fighting at 50 percent, you're fighting at 25 percent. You know how to calculate your your throws and punches and stuff. So you, you get an effective hit, but there's not a certain amount of power that can actually break bones or something. So when they were fighting, they were full on one hundred percent fighting. And that's real contact. You can break bones, and uh, you appreciate literally suffering for your art.
0: Yeah. Number one, I I can't imagine like with movies like this, there has to be a good amount of insurance. I'm sure for the actors.
1: Well, yeah, I imagine their health insurance is through the roof.
0: <laughs> Which is good because because at least being covered by production.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But um, also, I'm like Michael B. Jordan. He's pretty. Don't hurt that face.
0: Um, well, you know, I, I think he he walked away pretty pretty good so far. Um, the other aspect of it being um, how quick they were able to shoot this. I mean, when you kind of really break it down, there's a lot of scenes, and it's one thing like to have a lot of locations and so forth. If it's just dialogue. Mm -hmm. you know dialogue takes time to film but it's easier than certainly action when you're setting up action you know one minute worth of a film can take like even eight days sometimes depending on the complexity and yet they shot this thing lightning fast jesus christ
1: yeah their turnaround was ridiculous i mean i follow sylvester stallone and everything and he was posting just about every day Behind the scenes, shots and locations. I'm like, oh, they're in Philly today. Oh, they're here. They're X, they're X, Y, and Z. And then I was like, oh, they're already done. Yeah. Wow.
0: It went from April to about mid-June, which, again, April, May, mid-June. Mid-June. That's, That's two and a half. Two and a half.
1: half months. That's it. For a full-length feature film that has actual fighting scenes in it. Uh, good for them. I mean, they've done, obviously... Stallone and all of them have done this so many times now that they do have a rhythm and a formula of how to film training actual boxing movies like that but good for them to get it done so quick
0: yeah I mean uh, and and it's all the little shots too right when we talk about these montages you have to film each one of these little pieces um, that's a lot to shoot and it's not like like yes, yeah, so some of the clips repeat let's just say um, but overall, you're, they're progressing the storyline and showing something different with with each frame. Let's say a montage lasts two minutes; that's two minutes of just two second to three second clips. You got to film.
1: Mm-hmm. And the montage in this movie was six minutes,
0: and six. And there's a lot of other montages before that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of lots and lots of stuff uh, to the point that uh, they had. So they finished in June. If you really think about it, uh, so we're in November. That is a very fast turnaround time from filming to the end of it. Uh, someone showed that they had three editors working on this.
1: Three full editors. And what I liked about the, the editing process that they all took their own individual part in the film. Like, so one editor would only focus on the, the family storylines and like the dialogue family storylines. One would fight uh, edit. Only the fighting sequences. And one would edit the, the training montages. So they all literally like took their piece of the pie and worked on their stuff. And then like collaboratively put it together like a big puzzle.
0: Which, in theory, sounds like a recipe for disaster. Because it would just sound so disjointed. And yet, you don't get that feeling whatsoever.
1: No, because it all works seamlessly together.
0: Yeah, and I think part of that is... In the way they shot it, and and you know, the, like when you do that, you have to have a very good direction overall, like a, a good compass to say this is how the overall tone of the film is going to be. So work within those parameters, and and then you're they're able to do it and not have it be, um, you know, one looks like a Picasso, one looks like a <laughs> <The> <laughs> Dolly, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, the the different um, artistic styles. But no, everything looked the same it was consistent throughout the pacing was still consistent throughout but yet when we get to the training montage you can take that link and isolate it and it's amazing on its own it's like a music video on its own and it's inspirational i'm gonna have that i'm repeating you forever it's gonna be great but then also when you take it to the family aspects it's still emotional and it's raw and it's real you you have the 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 emotions that you're attached to these characters and you care about them and then when you get to the fighting like you care more about that because you don't want to see people get hurt um it's it's just so blended perfectly and i think they did a great job and it helps when you have the same editing team from the first one
0: yeah absolutely um i wonder if any of them like that that had like let's say the family scenes of like they cut it together and they're like yep oh, i'm done and like the, the guy <laughs> who's putting together the fighting stuff like you done oh you're done done. with
1: your stuff shoot i'm still working on my montage over here
0: yeah i would love to see that dynamic i i I think it would be fun
1: yeah and they so the fighting and the montages they were done by different editors but they had to always be in um, in in talks with each other saying like i use this clip here um are you going to repurpose it for your training montage here, and they, so they were always in talks with and staying on the same page of like where they are with the editing pace, and I enjoy that because it, it does show such a collaborative effort where it yeah. doesn't seem all over the place.
0: Absolutely, and and it all did come together. I mean, initially the the original cut was relatively long, but then they had uh, test screenings and so forth, um, and. I'd be curious to know all the things that did change, but they, they, they obviously talked about it, how important it is for them to get that sort of feedback, especially when you are working at, uh, at the end of the day, you can have all the technology that you, you want to speed up the process, but you got to be able to step back from it and really, really have the creative thoughts, um, to really sculpt it in what it needs to be. And so if you're working at that sort of pace, constantly nonstop, just the three of you in a room or you know, a couple more people ultimately, but whatever, let's say less than 10 people in one room, you need some perspective. And, and having those test screenings, I think, certainly offered that. And I, I, I think the final product, um, whatever the, the results of the test screening were, I think helped shaped it to be what it is.
1: Right. And what they learned most from the test screenings is just uh, the actual technical aspects of the film. Like, the, the pacing was too slow here or the scene changed the tone of what the the scene was between these people or like the scene created more conflict. So or they needed this scene just to help transition to the next scene. So like the testing from the actual audience helped them gauge the the actual rhythm of the entire film.
0: Mm-hmm. And which is great because, as you said, the pacing worked.
1: Pacing does work. And you've heard me in other anatomy movies, like, I'm such a stickler for pacing. Like, if it's all over the place, I, I'm out. If, if it's too slow, I'm out. So to, to have a good, actual, consistent pace, yeah, I'm in.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about one of the iconic things of when it comes to Rocky. Yes, there's, of course, the boxing, but there is also the music. Yeah. So and let's, let's Ludwig Gornson. Yes. Yeah. Um. It. I. I, I appreciate also
1: having a great year.
0: <laughs> yes, he is indeed. Um. I appreciate the 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 mix of the old and the new. You know, which seems to be very thematic, just in terms of storyline, but then also the, the 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 franchise now with Creed and so forth, where you still got the Rocky um, classic kind of um you know gonna fly now and all these things Mm -hmm. yet modernizing it um and we we opened up a very kind of modern song obviously
1: kendrick look and it just shows how much time has passed between the rocky franchise and now the creed franchise because even the trailers were different the the creed 2 trailer as great as it is that's what also really sold me was um it's it's basically a music video type of trailer which is awesome um, the the original Rocky was not like that at all no. well in the trailers. so I, I like how music has evolved so much and even yeah we have to have the the the, the bed of Bill Conti's gonna fly now because we know if that is Rocky that, that's an iconic score so we have to have it in some way but they changed it a little bit but not to the point where you, it's completely different where you hate it you're like no you love it it's an, it's an homage to the original, which we love so much, but then we also just had the the regular rap songs in between that felt more contemporary with this generation. Yeah,
0: and and they didn't feel forced. Like I, I remember, a Southpaw did a technique of that where they had a lot of rap songs. You know, Eminem wrote some pieces for the song for the movie specifically, and um, it felt in a way too contemporary. This. It it doesn't hit you over the head. It, it's not. It uses those moments, but it's not like a music video for the sake of being a music video. Mm-hmm. It's telling. At the end of the day, it's telling a story, um, rather than being like, "Oh, let's let's just show you some music." Let, let's basically put images over music.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. no. Um, which ironically, that was like Rocky Ford's you not know, to have three very long training montages, which are fantastic. But, I mean, it worked for Rocky IV. I don't think it would work well for Creed II if he kept having all those montages. So, And even uh, Lugwood knew that, too. So he decided for the training montage to have one long six-minute orchestral piece, but it had different um, tones throughout. From you know happy to angry to sad to being beaten down to now rising up again with the the epic swell of music, so it had a lot of different emotional beats within the six minute score, and I think he did a fantastic job because that training montage was on point
0: yeah absolutely um so let's talk let's talk pure numbers essentially um. It was projected to gross, so it came out last week for us in in the Thanksgiving period of 2018. Projected to gross between 44 million and 54 million. uh, And it ended up doing, where the hell is it? Um, It went on to debut its opening weekend at 35 million, um, a five day total of 55. So it um, all in all kind of beat out expectations um, by 1 million.
1: Yeah, and I'm definitely going to see this film again. I saw it the day it came out, so part of that was my money as well. (laughs) Um, So I added to that, like, to think, and I think that's good, especially because we're in a generation that it's everything a sequel. Sequel or, I mean, the last film we did was a sequel. Um, Well, it
0: also came out with uh, record... Ralph Ralph, Ralph Ralph Breaks the Internet which is a sequel, sequel. to Wreck-It Ralph.
1: Yeah, it's like we're, we're in the whole sequelitis kind of thing. But this one is a very solid follow-up to the first one and I think it did a great job in that. And I like how the numbers are, you know, successful for it being 3 years later. And it,
0: it coming out on Thanksgiving like it, it even though it doesn't have Thanksgiving explicitly, it is a very family-oriented movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's PG-13. Uh, I, I think it has great messages and so forth. And um, I think it doesn't necessarily compete with Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think the two stand alone on their own. You know, if you want to – and I think you can see both. If you want to bring the kids, you see – God Break damn it. Yeah, Break the
1: Ralph Internet. Ralph Breaks the freaking Internet. <laughs> right. And, and also, I mean, yes, it's – there's heavy family themes in this film, but Rocky Balboa was also released for Chris, uh, not Christmas, for Thanksgiving <laughs> at the same time too. Creed one wasn't. Creed mm-hmm. Creed one was more in the spring. No, I, I, was it? Jeff, look I'm up really when Creed
0: sorry. 1 came out, I'm trying to, Jeff being in the booth. I'm like
1: digging back into my memory. I feel like that was a spring one. I should know. That was so long ago. We covered it so long ago. All
0: right. Well, Jeff's going to fact check us before we look like idiots. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, I, I know for a fact that Rocky Balboa came out at Thanksgiving because I saw it for Thanksgiving.
0: myself in. Creed came out on November 25th, 2015. Uh, that wasn't there. Right?
1: I had Voila! Thank you. See, see Thanksgiving. So, so, the Creed movies come around Thanksgiving? Good. Thank you for that.
0: There you go. Um, so,
1: Rocky is Thanksgiving.
0: So, uh, and this is one of those rare instances where, overall, the critics agree with the fans. So, on Rotten Tomatoes, an eighty-one from critics and eighty-nine percent from from fans. A on Cinema Score. Yes. So. In terms of having legs, this movie is going to have legs beyond just this one weekend as time goes by.
1: Yeah, and I think the great thing of this one, this doesn't disappoint to the true Rocky fans either. I mean, I no. love Rocky. I watch all the Rocky movies repeatedly, obsessively for like three solid years of my teenage life. So, like, I've studied the Rocky films. And so being like a real big Rocky fan, this one doesn't disappoint. And I, I'd like to... Think other Rocky fans out there would also love this film too. Well,
0: they gave it an A, so they don't disagree.
1: I give it an A plus.
0: Um, I'm I'm excited. I look forward to the future. I'm curious to see how it goes. I think we're gonna see a, a lot more of the father son dynamic between Rocky and and his son. Um, obviously, kind of where we go in terms of Adonis storyline will be interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's really a great metaphor for life and how you should live life.
1: All right. And I like the moment where Rocky was like it's your time now. So it feels like Rocky's storyline is completely wrapped. He, he he made amends with his his son. He he kind of passed the torch onto Adonis in this one. I could actually understand if Creed 3 didn't have Rocky anywhere near it.
0: It'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I could see it but but um but I think we'll will will have him there cuz I think you always need a mentor right and I know yeah, they got I mean. um Mickey eventually
1: died know. in the third one
0: Yeah um although Stallone did say like he's like don't don't kill me <laughs>
1: Yes Stallone didn't want to die
0: Um and I think that's fair like you, not ev- not every just because you lose a character doesn't mean the the only way to do that is through death Mhm So I appreciate that, at least for now, Rocky lives. Of course, at some point, Rocky has to die of old age, but I I think he's got a few more years to live, at least, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, he definitely has a few more years. But I say, as a character-wise, I felt this one truly wrapped just Rocky in and of itself. I don't know where else Rocky's story could go. Mm -hmm. Because we know Adrian has passed, um, Paulie has passed, he's now making amends with his son, what other storylines could we do for Rocky? I love Rocky, you know this, but as a character, I felt he was officially wrapped in this one.
0: Fair enough. I mean, regardless, like to me, his storyline is now Adonis's, right? So he has to, he, he has to service Adonis, Adonis. Um, and you know, as far as having his own storyline, I don't think I don't think he has that. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: I can't wait to Creed three.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think you've got quite a little bit of weight, but uh, in due time it will be here just like uh, the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the holidays, we have a very interesting schedule, let's just say, for you. Um, this week we're doing, uh, today's Tuesday when we're filming, so we've got this and we're going to do Robin Hood. Then this, our Friday normal taping, we're going to be doing Instant Family and. Um, Ralph
1: breaks the internet.
0: That's it. Uh, as far as the upcoming weeks, Lord knows, we got to figure all that out. Um, there's a lot of movies, and we're going to try to cover as many as we can, especially because of Oscar buzz and so forth. Uh, but hanging with us, we'll keep you updated on the schedule. If nothing else, as always, just check back in. as you see, Whatever movie you see... Check back in, however, you whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, whether you watch us on YouTube, or whatever sort of means of of consuming us you have, check those devices, and I'm sure we'll have coverage of a particular movie. And of course, if you're just catching up, the holidays is a great time to catch up on movies that you haven't seen. And so, um, by all means, once you see kind of movies from this year or years past, like a Creed, check Mm -hmm. our anatomies. We've yeah. done them.
1: D- Dimitri and I have done Rocky 1. We did a retrospect on Rocky 1. I've also done a watch along with our action movie anatomy guys for Rocky 4. Um, we have done Creed 1, and now we have done Creed 2.
0: And we've got, you know, you can have a Michael B. Jordan collection too. We've done Black Panther. Uh, so whatever whatever your heart's desire, it's there. Yeah. Anyway, we're here. Um, let us know your comments. appreciate you. At Serafini TV is where you can interact with Marissa more directly. I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Bye. Welcome to
1: Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, do not necessarily reflect the views of Afterbuzz TV or its owners
0: or principals.